You're listening to the Gator Sports Podcast with your host, Zach Alboverde. Coming in hot. And Graham Hall. Jumping. Coming smooth. Jumping. And the bass gets jumping. Brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. Welcome into the Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, joined to my right by my co-host, Graham Hall, back in the Gainesville Sun studios. How's it going, my friend? It's going well. It's been a crazy day. It has. For and the off season. And we're talking Thursday, July 1st for everybody listening. And that is the day, Graham, that the college sports landscape is forever changed. It's like Christmas in a sense. Do you feel that? For a lot of athletes, I think, opening up their DMs when they woke up on Thursday morning, it might have felt like getting some Christmas gifts with maybe some NIL opportunities that we've already seen a bunch of athletes across the country announcing endorsement deals on day one, including several Florida players that we'll run through on today's podcast. We'll recap recruiting. We'll talk about some former UF athletes that we feel like would have made a killing with NIL, and we'll also recap some recent news in UF sports this week. But, Graham, all the talk and all the focus, I think, leading up to Thursday and certainly throughout the day was about name, image, and likeness, how it was already changing college sports, which athletes were taking advantage of it, and what it was going to look like as it played out because it was still a lot of unknowns, and we're starting to figure out some things already. Yeah, we are. I I wonder if athletes were expecting as much activity as we've seen in the first, what, 16 or so hours, 18 hours. And for the ones that maybe weren't, it it might lit a fire under them like, man, I need to get going. It actually, I think, verified their argument for the longest time that there was this untapped market out there for student-athletes that they were being robbed of, in a sense, by the NCAA barring them from doing this, from pursuing, profiting from their name, image, and likeness in their athletic endeavors. And so many of us for so long, obviously, I think the conversation shifted a lot the last two decades to realizing that this was wrong, that athletes should be able to profit and that the NCA model eventually was going to fall, whether it was their own undoing or whether Congress would step in as we are seeing right now and kind of end this amateurism joke that they have gotten away with telling at dinner parties that has grown more stale and more stale as the time has gone on. And in the advent and growth of the internet and social media, there have become more avenues for athletes to go out there and make money without even leaving their own home. So the argument of that, oh, they're supposed to be in the facility working, it takes away from their academic and athletic pursuits, that has become null and void now with you having your phone or your computer as an avenue to go out there and make that money. And now seeing that they can do that, we are seeing really what they've been missing out on. And these athletes juggle already so much as it is. So to be able to take on something like an endorsement deal or do a one-off commercial or video shoot or whatever the case may be, I don't feel like it's going to be something that they can't handle and they can't juggle because they already do so much. And for a lot of guys, 
they've been preparing for this and they've already been in the spotlight and they've already had a social media following that they've generated through posts and videos and stuff that they've been doing already being creative on these different platforms. So it's not like it's already hasn't been going on. And we talked about some guys in recent weeks, Graham, that are going to be able to take advantage of this. And this week at Gatorsports.com, I actually put together a top six of the guys that I felt like right away, based on their social media followings, although I rank them, I think there's also some guys that, that maybe you know off of Snapchat or something or, or some other platforms are going to have some opportunities like on Twitch. But just going off of the four main ones, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, you got six guys on Florida's roster, all with you know 30,000 followers or more that are active on those social media platforms and now have the ability to sign endorsement deals and do those ads there. And, I mean, that's just scratching the surface of, of so many things that, that they can do. We've talked about and i'll go through that list we've already seen some florida athletes graham come out with their own merchandise right out of the gate trading the third who's one of the guys in that top six already has his own td3 clothing apparel seen gervon dexter come out with his shirts and malik davis on the day of thursday he had a he had a hyena on there shout out to the hyena pretty cool and i actually know why he picked the hyena why can you tell? I will tell. Because when a hyena gets its prey, it eats it to the bone. Leaves nothing behind. That's ruthless. My boy Cope wants it all. So, Man, that's savage. He's going for it. And look, he was one of several players that put out that message, too, right before July 1st. Zach Carter was one of those athletes as well that said, hey, starting July 1st, we can profit off our name, image, and likeness. We can promote businesses, and our DMs are open. So it's been crazy to see this wave, and and there are guys, I mentioned that top six, Copeland is the guy that has the biggest following on the team, just from his Twitter and Instagram accounts. Emory Jones is right behind him, and like pretty much every starting quarterback in the SEC, they're going to have an opportunity here to capitalize on NIL. Trey Dean is another guy that's really active on social media, and then some of the top recruits, that Dan Mullen has signed, like Richard Garage and Gervon Dexter, all those guys, Lorenzo Lingard, they have a really good following on social media, and and that's really all it takes is the platform. I mean, of course, and we can get into this, you got to have that productivity on the field as well to make yourself marketable, but a lot of guys have already generated that following simply off of what they do off the field. It, it sometimes doesn't have anything to do with football, and look at a guy like Julian Humphrey, he has 1.3 million followers on TikTok. He didn't get that from being a top recruit. He got it because he is really entertaining on that app, especially to kids in his demographic. So they've already found their targeted audience, Graham, and, and, and they're trying to capitalize right away. I totally get why brands would go after the athletes that have the top platforms because they're absolutely right now is a correlation between ability and, and how big your platform is when it comes to Twitter and Instagram. And you look at some of these Twitter accounts. I mean, I was looking at it right now. Jacob Copeland's Twitter account is bigger than a lot of NBA and NFL players. And brands are noticing that. They 
look at it as there's a good chance that heading into this season, Jacob Copeland is going to catch some touchdowns. And in the post-game interview with Jeff Cardozo and, <laughs> and coming out to the media session after the, the game and on ESPN, CBS, that Jacob Copeland's going to go out there and say, yeah, I did it with Gatorade or you name it. Chipotle fueled or, me. Or I'm, I was listening to these headphones or I was drinking this sports drink. I mean, just get ready for that. I mean, the post-game media session is going to be a chance for these athletes to make some money, fulfill contracts in a sense here. And that's just where it's going. I was seeing a lot today, a lot of athletes, though, that maybe aren't as set up for limelight success like that, getting contract deals as well. That is what I think surprised a lot of people today coming out of the gates is how many opportunities there were for athletes outside of the top six that we were mentioning or outside of just football and basketball like it's it's way bigger absolutely than that. And, and, and we'll get into it but Graham it's it's like nationwide all these different athletes that aren't just like you said uh the ones that have the huge follower counts I mean, yeah I think that's what I, is going to blow a lot of people's mind but one of the things about that is that it's going to give everyone fans out there, family, friends, you name it, an avenue towards connecting with their favorite athlete, which may not be the biggest athletes out there. Sites like Cameo, you may be able to spend $10, $20 to get a personalized video from one of your favorite athletes, which may not be the athletes that's going to be on ESPN getting the exposure. So you're getting every athlete a chance to do that, not miss out on those opportunities. That's what I really kind of think is special. But it also, like I said in the beginning of this, it really has undermined the argument that the NCAA put forth for so long that, hey, they're they're not really missing out on too much. When you factor in tuition and what they're earning, it makes up for it. Every tired, useless argument we've heard, I kind of think is going out the window right now when you're looking at this, I don't want to call it passive income opportunities that were out there, but just the actual amount of easy opportunities that these yeah. student-athletes were missing out on that they could have just been taken advantage of from what they were already doing, filming TikToks before games, tweeting, going on Instagram, talking about what products they're using in their workouts, videos behind the scenes, you name it. There's so many brands and products out there that are able to be... Had you heard of Yoke Gaming? No, I had not. And and that's, that, that's a great segue, Graham, because, again, we're going to have... The typical just sponsored ads on Instagram. You're going to have the guys that want to sell their own merchandise. You're going to have autograph signings. Um, and Emory Jones is another guy that has a, a T-shirt uh, available along with uh, some other quarterbacks that he trains with. But you're going to have the other spaces like the Twitch and YouTube and Yoki Gaming, which I had never Is it pronounced of. Yoki? Man, see, I was calling it Yoke, like, you know, like when you yoke someone in the back of the head. I actually don't know if it's pronounced Yoki See, I'm Gaming. I'm... So one of us you is said right. It sounded good. One of us is right. I'm confident in that. Yes. Or we could both be wrong. It could oh, be man. A, I didn't a totally think different that. pronunciation. That, when you look at it, we both could be wrong. That's really but more depressing. With this gaming company, already on day one, safeties Rashad Torrance and Dakota Mitchell, Ethan Pouncey and Avery Helm, cornerbacks for the Gators, defensive ends, Justice, Justice Boone and Princely. Uman Milan, I hope. Job. Great job, Graham. Defensive tackle. Desmond Watson, offensive lineman, Richie Leonard, and he signed another deal today, which we'll get to, and tied in Kamori Gamble. They've all signed with Yoki or Yoke Gaming. So, I mean, right there off the bat, those guys are taking advantage of something outside of the sports realm, which I think is really cool. You can, um, you better bet that Marco Wilson would have been a guy that 
took advantage of that because he was really into gaming as well. And a guy that I didn't have in the top six, Graham, on the story that I did, and, and again, it was just off of strictly their social media followings. There's going to be NIL opportunities. But an honorable mention that I put out there was to Donovan McMillan, who's got around just under 26,000 followers on the four combined platforms. He's active on all four. And Instagram, YouTube, he's got his own account, TikTok, obviously, and then Twitter. Hasn't even played a down yet for the Gators, but you watch him on some of these videos. He's clearly comfortable on camera, well-spoken, charismatic, and as I wrote in that story, I'm not going to be surprised if he's in a commercial soon, and neither is Darren Heitner, who I know many Florida fans have heard that name, a former Gator who now practices law and represents a lot of athletes in different ventures. He has actually signed Donovan McMillan and retained his uh, expert law services to help guide him through his new NIL opportunities. So uh, I had a feeling that McMillan was going to be one of those guys, even though he's a freshman, even though he hasn't played, just based off his platforms. And sure enough, we woke on Thursday and Darren had signed him. This is super awesome in my mind because this is, one, something I hadn't thought of. I mean, we had talked about Donovan McMillan and his platform coming out of high school when we had talked about Princely and guys had already built this up, maybe not even knowing it was coming, but just knowing what access they had and could take advantage of it. You mentioned being charismatic on camera. I mean, that is incredibly impressive in my mind for anyone to do, let alone a 17-, 18-year-old who's that even – that's not even their primary job or what they're trying to do. And they're just able to be able to do that. That's just a natural moneymaker right there in my mind. But to retain a lawyer at 18 and it be for good reasons. I mean, that is incredibly impressive. Smart man. In my mind, I wasn't even thinking about this. I don't think many people were thinking about this and I wouldn't be surprised if more people are going to look into doing this because it kind of also is like, Having an agent before you're really able to have that NFL certified agent. You're building your brand right now. You're able to guide through the process someone who also has worked with NFL agents and NFL athletes to kind of get a head start on maneuvering through setting up your business before you may have a chance at really making millions of dollars in the NFL. It's incredibly intelligent and full of foresight a smart decision by donovan to do this and and obviously darren as well who's if you've been following him on twitter throughout the last few months has been incredibly uh informative about this process and ahead of the curve and and it it doesn't surprise me that he's already making moves on day one well we gotta jump to this break when we come back on the other side we're gonna run through some more florida athletes that signed social media endorsement deals on day one of name, image, and likeness legislation. We'll also go through some former Gators that Graham and I feel like would have slayed if they had name, image, and likeness. We'll talk about all that when we come back from this break. Welcome back into the Gator Sports Podcast. Zach and Graham here, and as we discover and learn about new deals and athletes across the country getting endorsed by different companies, I think there are some new ones popping up right on that first day that that I didn't see coming, and maybe these companies didn't see coming, at least 
Barstool Sports didn't. And regardless of how you feel about that site or or whatever, we're going to mention it just because there's several UF athletes that have taken advantage of the initiative that they basically put into motion on the day of NIL because they were reached out to by, I think, the first athlete who was a volleyball player at Jackson State, and she reached out to the CEO at Barstool Sports and said, hey, how can I become a Barstool athlete, which at the time didn't really have a meaning, but they created one started uh their own you know athletic twitter page for barstool sports and they've been welcoming athletes they haven't i don't think signed anyone but they're welcoming athletes and this is across the barstool sports network so it's not just florida athletes but all the all the teams that they have their own site for and right here for the barstool florida account they have welcomed several UF athletes that will now, I would imagine, get some free merchandise. Uh, they will promote Barstool Sports probably on their Twitter or Instagram or what have you. They'll get invited out to some parties, according to what Dave had said in that Twitter video. So Richie Leonard, he was the player that I mentioned earlier that had signed with the gaming company. He's a hashtag Barstool athlete. Jordan Pouncey, the transfer from Texas. You also got Jason Odom, Dewan Black, former Gator Clifford Taylor, who's actually now a social media and design for the LA Rams, but also a Barstool athlete. And they've gotten a lot of other UF athletes, uh, for players, players in other sports, including Sam Rifus. <laughs> He's decided to uh, endorse Barstool. So again, Regardless of how you feel about that site, that's just how quick this thing is taken off and how many athletes are trying to take advantage of it. And again, it's, it's UF athletes in all kinds of sports, and uh, I think it's just going to keep growing. Yeah, I think the other side is one we don't often talk about is how brands are trying to take advantage of what's going on right now. And, and love him or hate him, Barstool Sports and, and Dave Portnoy, he has always done a really good job at making the conversation about him, keeping himself in the limelight, to use the word I said earlier. I I think that the guy, you know, he's flawed like everyone else, but like we just talked about with Yoke or or Yoki Gaming, I mean, a lot of people are learning about brands right now that they hadn't prior, and brands are getting promotion as we're going to, you know, we talked earlier about Trey Knox and PetSmart, and this is good branding for barstool sports. Let me just call it how it is to have these athletes coming out and a lot of lacrosse and, and female athletes looking for their support and vice versa. That's big for barstool sports. And, you know, maybe they were a little bit late to the party, but they absolutely are making a lot of noise at it right now and taking advantage of it. And I would think that a guy like Ryan Lochte or, Joe Kim Noah would have been the type of athlete, big partier that would might have fit with the the barstool endorsement. So, I think there's a lot of former athletes that would have really taken advantage. Obviously, the one that comes to name right out of the gate is Tim Tebow. All the money that he could have made from all those 15 jerseys that got sold, and everybody knew who that jersey was for, but it didn't have his name on the back, and there was no money. Even though he says he wouldn't have wanted it or taken it, but 
nonetheless, that's now an opportunity for guys to have their name on the back of their jerseys. Although I'm not sure how that all works, how that would get decided with schools and worked out as far as what players would have a jersey be able to be available in a team store or online. That That's above my pay grade. But obviously you're going to see that more prevalent now with NIL changing things. And you look at Tim Tebow, all the different brands and things that he could have endorsed with his popularity. And even at the time, and somebody brought this up on Twitter, and I apologize for not um, remembering who who brought it to my attention, but when Tim Tebow did his famous promise speech, he had this shirt that he had designed with the numerals 15 on it. Now, you guys can say what you want about name, image, and likeness, and Tebow can say what he wants about it, but even then, he was branding himself. And even then, if that shirt would have been able to be available online right after that that speech went viral, you don't think he would have wanted to take advantage of that? So it's always been out there, and I, I mean, I think of some other UF athletes that that would have made a killing as well. But I mean, Joe Camino, whether it had been with Barstool Sports or whatever, I think he would have had a bunch of companies calling him. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is where you know we talk about this being a changing subject all the time. This is where some of the stuff call it confusing but I want to call it in flux but this is where I think some of the state legislation is still going to play a part in a lot of this stuff so let me backtrack a little bit the state of Florida NIL bill to what I understand right now on July 1st bars schools from letting athletes use the logo but that is a state by state bill and a lot of states are doing that but today the state of Louisiana, that rule is not in play in Louisiana. So athletes can use their school's respective logos in endorsement deals. And as Ross Dellinger at SI today, in in a a great story, uh, a source calls that a recruiting advantage for the state of Louisiana. Possibly you can make more money if your endorsement deal is tied to your school's branding. You're allowed to use the logo. So in the Tebow effect, if that rule was not in play in the state of Florida, he could theoretically, as you say, sell jerseys in the sports store, wherever, you name it, down the street, alumni apparel, Dick Sporting Goods even, online, Amazon now. It's crazy that that is still something that's in play, the state-by-state legislation here. But that just kind of speaks to what we've talked to, that this is really something that's changing by the daily in a sense and if you asked me i think that you'll see a lot of states eliminate that because the amount of money that could be made in tying those athletes to that branding is extremely lucrative but with that being said i could absolutely see why schools would be hesitant to do that and why you're seeing that in legislation right now because say for instance that athlete does something down the line that the school would like to remove their entire association with. We have seen that at the University of Florida within the last decade. I think that that is part of why there's some hesitance there to have athletes, student athletes, be tied to the school branding with endorsement deals, but you're going to start seeing it. Well, I can tell you a guy that would have got a lot of endorsement deals at Florida, and that's Grant Holloway. Oh, man. Think about the killing that he would have made, and we'll get to what he accomplished this past week. But uh, the head ball coach as a player back in the day, 
Late 60s? I mean, would have been a different NIL world, but he would have owned it, right? I mean, he was the pay deals right now to go on the radio. I'm hearing that there are going to be some flagship stations paying amateur, I hate using that term even, student athletes now, $25,000, $30,000 to go for a radio spot, a one-hour, 30-minute even radio spot on a flagship station. A guy like Steve Spurrier would have killed it over everyone else on the radio Mm -hmm. with his voice, how witty he is, intelligent. And, I I mean, he absolutely would have made a killing at the time. Yeah. In the prime form of media out there for him. And he's great on TV, as we still see to this day. So, yeah, he would have made... He would be probably near the top of the list for me. It's it's right there, him and Tebow, for me right now, for ones I can think about. I think two guys that would have reigned during their time, even with where technology was, obviously they wouldn't have had the social media opportunities, but just because of their personalities and how well-known they were nationwide because of it, James Bates and Lawrence Wright, both of those guys would have had a ton of opportunities to endorse different companies or appear in commercials, and we see the future that James Bates has created for himself with that. So um, that was obviously back in the 90s. I think more recently we can definitely point to a guy like Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask. They would have had opportunities. I think both of them being soft-spoken guys, it would have maybe been something like a commercial per se, but I think they would have found different brands that they really liked and, and wanted to endorse. Heck, I even think of uh, Kyle Trask going to Brown's Country Buffet in Alachua all the time. He he could have appeared in that commercial. That would have been easy for him to just sit there at the, the buffet and uh, eat a bunch of country food. So, but But those opportunities that were missed out on by guys like Kyle Pitts, guys like Tim Tebow and, and Joe Kimnoa, that that's something that's that's now it's good that those athletes aren't going to miss out on that. And and that as long as it's done the right way and, and Florida has all those uh, structures in place to make sure that they're monitoring these deals, that the athletes are informing them of what they're, what they have going on. But uh, the ball is rolling now. Florida's making sure that, that they take advantage of it. And, and again, that they facilitate this for their athletes. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that this is happening. Uh, I got to just absolutely get this out of the way. You know, you mentioned James Bates, that's another one I don't think many people think about. He got so big that he was appearing in an Adam Sandler movie, and I was actually thinking about him a little bit last week when we were talking about Kair Elam and his connections to the professional world. I mean, James Bates' daughter, Talia Bates, just narrowly missed out on going to the Olympics. I'm sure that there's a whole slew of untapped opportunities for swimmers out there with, with that we're not even thinking about, uh, which is massive, but crazy that what we're seeing right now absolutely well we got to get to this final break when we come back on the other side we're gonna have some recruiting talk we'll also discuss some of the other news in uf sports and obviously a shout out to grant holloway for what he accomplished qualifying for the olympics we'll be right back after this break Welcome back into the Gator Sports Podcast. Zach and Graham here, and we're going to shift gears and uh, talk a little recruiting as the quiet period has come to an end, settled, and and we get to kind of see where things shake out here over the next few weeks. And I think it'll pick back up again in July uh, once the dead period is lifted. You'll have Friday Night Lights and some of the other events like that. 
But um, the Gators have cracked the top 25 with some of the recent pledges that they got. Certainly some of the guys that they've landed recently, Shamar James, Chandler Smith, they've helped kind of boost the rankings for Florida. And then there are some other guys that I think now that they've taken official visits will look to make decisions here uh, in the summertime before the summer ends. There's going to be others that wait until the fall and, and wait all the way up until the early signing period or National Signing Day. But as we've mentioned before, Graham, you weren't going to see too much activity, especially from the elite guys, this first month. What you wanted to see was official visits happening. What you wanted to see was your top targets getting on campus and plans for them to either come back or comments that spoke really highly and favorably of Florida. And we got all that. And we got some commitments as well from, I think, some players that have really boosted this class and filled some needs for the Gators. But I think where they stand right now, certainly you would like to be ranked higher if we're looking at it from a ranking standpoint, but it's so early in this process and this cycle and a lot earlier than, than it is in most years because at this point in in most cycles, guys have already taken visits. They, they've been a lot further along in their recruitment. Um, so I think it's going to still take a lot to more to play out in the summer and then certainly once the games start. But right now, if you're, if you're Florida, based on all the official visitors you had, based on what those guys said post-visit, you're feeling like you're in a good spot coming out of June. Yeah, you are. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Everything you just said is what matters at this time. You want people coming off visits feeling good, not just potential student athletes, but their families. And coming off visits. Like if they weren't if they didn't show up and even take the trip, then then what? And Florida had packed weekends, not just packed weekends, but packed weeks. And when they weren't hosting kids, they had campers on yeah, campus. So and many. They were working out their own commits, like Nick Evers showing up and not only hosting and recruiting, but working out for Florida staff. It was an extremely successful June in my mind. And they knew that it was going to be, in this month at least, was going to be a sprint on the recruiting front. I don't think anyone in Florida's staff thought they were going to come out of June ranked inside the top 10 just based on the ground that they really did have to make up with everyone ahead of them. We talked last week that most of the programs inside that top 25 did have more commitments than Florida has just breaking that double digit mark recently here. I don't really want to say that this fan base is used to panicking early, but there has been a trend of just a little bit of worry setting in. And I would just caution anyone coming out of June to be feeling any sense of worry right now because I think it was an extremely successful June and, and you'll start seeing that pay off sooner than later because as you mentioned, Friday night lights coming and then you're into preseason camp, you're back in the season and as long as Florida has a competitive season as they expect to, that's when recruiting really starts paying off. Yeah, and there are some guys that will make decisions in the coming weeks. Oh yeah. So if you land some more top 200 guys, if you add a potential five-star, then that's really going to boost the class rankings. And uh, the 2021 class for the Gators has been welcome to campus. They have all enrolled except for Tyreek Sapp, who will arrive in August. But the remaining 21 signees, including the early enrollees, are all accounted for and on campus. Uh, some of the guys had moved in you know, two weeks ago, a week ago, but they all have officially started classes along with the transfers, guys like Jadarius Perkins and, and some of the others that they've added. You have the Mississippi State grad transfer, 
Jace Chrisman as well to, as we presume, before the starting kicker. So some important depth that's been added. Those guys now join the team and are on campus to kind of get their feet wet and everything figured out before fall camp. But, you know, you look at that list, Graham, and I think already some guys expecting to contribute early from the mid-year guys that came in. But there could even be certainly someone that steps in from the summer B group and certainly a guy like DeWan Black you would expect as a, as a Juco player. When it comes to DeWan, it really is not necessarily a lack of ability right now. It's how quickly can he come in and learn the system so that he can not be a deficit just for what he lacks right now in terms of the play calling. I, I think that once he understands where he has to be on the field and just naturally having those two years under his belt already from the JUCO level, I think would accelerate his process. But it has been a process since he's been on campus. And, and you hope as a Florida fan that he's able to carry a load uh, when you get into the season here. I, I fully expect him to. A, a guy like Justice Boone, though, is one that stands out to me as well as potentially contributing from this class. I, I think that you could see him step in because this is a, a defensive line that I expect to rotate a whole lot of guys, especially ideally if you're a Florida fan and, and on the staff there and in the building, you would expect hopefully in the fourth quarter for some games to have a chance to get a lot of youth in yep. to get some reps. And, and that looks like a guy in my mind that you would start building into one of your defensive linemen in the future. Absolutely. Well, I think the future looks bright for Grant Holloway. I think we will probably see a world record set from him in the near future, probably at the Olympic games, because based on what he did at the trials to qualify, he's uh, really set the mark, and he seems to be uh, at a special moment right now in his career. Uh, just really, really in his prime, really getting his time down. And as he said in his uh, quote after qualifying for the Olympics, a lot of people said that he could never run a 12 9 again in the 110 meter hurdles. And uh, he did that and then some in the semifinals. I'm sure you guys have all seen it by now. 12.81, the second fastest time ever, just off of the world record of 12.80, set by Aries Merritt in 2012. But, I mean, Grandma, I knew Holloway was fast. I've watched him throughout his career. But still to get to that level that he did in that semifinal race and just to see him leave everybody... I mean, he is a different class of athlete. And when it's all said and done, he might go down as potentially the greatest to ever wear orange and blue in any sport. We, I think, become so focused on the training happening inside Gainesville that we forget that a guy like this not only trains in Gainesville with world-class speed, but he's training around Europe, around the world consistently. I mean, from what I understand, he was in Germany a few months ago training. He trains in different elements uh, this is a guy that was already, I think, sponsored, signed with Adidas a few years ago. I, I, it's kind of crazy to really think about Grant Holloway on another platform. But when you look at his accolades, not only world records, but a world champion. I mean, I, to my understanding, there was no world championship in 2020 due to the COVID pandemic. So he is essentially the reigning world champion heading into the Olympic trials and, and in the 60 meter in the hurdles, he's a guy who seems to just not lose any speed in the hurdles, which is incredible. Um, yeah, I would not be shocked and, and I'm not trying to 
put any pressure on him whatsoever if this manages to make its way out there to the internet. But yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he made up that hundredth of a second that is missing for the world record based on what we've seen so far. I know that he's motivated to do it, and what better stage than uh, the Olympics? Yeah, he said after he ran that, the main goal was to set myself up and to let everyone know that I'm here to win. I didn't come to this party to sit on the wall. I came here to dance. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Let's go. And uh, shout out to another former Gator who qualified for the Olympics, Marquise Dendy. He finished second in the long jump on Saturday with a season best mark of 8.38 meters. That's 27 feet, 6 inches. Way more than Graham and I can do, probably combined. And uh, just an incredible feat from him as uh, they are heading to Tokyo as well. So always cool to see former Gators on that stage. And those are the type of athletes as well, Graham, that are going to be able to take advantage of this NIL. It's not just the football and basketball players and the guys that we had mentioned with the huge social media followings. At UF, you're going to get all type of different athletes. And that's one thing we're going to continue to see here in the coming months, I think, as we see more and more athletes announce these deals. Dendy is such a great story uh, because, you know, one, if you've ever watched this event, it's it's kind of magical. It's like these yeah. guys are flying in a <laughs> sense here. It really, I mean, when you're watching a lot of sports at home, you can ignorantly think, hey, I can go out there and attempt to replicate that. But you can't go out there and attempt to replicate anything close to a long jump like this. And for Marquis Dendy, if you don't remember, not only was he a UF champion when Florida won those those ones out in Eugene several years ago, uh, but he was going to compete in the 2016 Olympics and then really tragically, unfortunately, got hurt and had to miss the Rio Olympics. So he's not only, when I say great story, uh, going to lead Florida, but he's making up for a, a personal accomplishment that he had a chance at doing several years ago, five years ago now, man, <laughs> time is flying. And you know that Denny has been waiting for a long time for this moment. It's great to see him have a chance to, to achieve it. Yeah, it is. And, and obviously it's, it's great to see these athletes uh, achieve an opportunity to uh, profit off of their name, market themselves. And it's going to be a story that I think everybody in college athletics is following in the coming days and we'll monitor it probably next week when we do another show. We'll have some more deals to recap. If uh, Who knows? Maybe we even have an athlete on here to talk about a new sponsorship that, that they're uh, partnering with. But at the end of the day, support these athletes. If you're a Florida fan, even if you think something that they're doing is cheesy and maybe it's not up your alley, still support them, right? Because it's cool to see them being creative. I think it doesn't take away from anything it lets them have fun and, and if anything it sets them up for the future it teaches them how to be a little bit more responsible on social media and mindful maybe of the the decisions that they make so i think there's there's good that will come from this there's some bad as well it, it kind of makes it a little bit more worthwhile when you point out the good that's in this this game that is i think college football college athletics at times because there is so much that goes on behind the scenes that you know is unsavory that that you know just is not really the stuff that you want to shine a light on here there, there's disappointing dreams injuries you name it coaching carousel transfer portal turnover yeah you know it but you know you mentioned injuries I mean and, and just the reality of injury or not a lot of these guys Graham and and girls will not play professionally after college so if they have 
a huge platform or they have opportunities to potentially make a little bit of extra money that they can save or have available to help them on their next chapter in life, I think that that's something that they'll enjoy having in the bank account. That's the the last part I think is another one that you know we haven't talked too much about, but there's a great story in the Wall Street Journal, just got to say this here, about Leah Clapper and Trini Thomas. And if you don't know, Leah Clapper has ran a food blog for the last few years. She's a great cook uh, and, and she's very charismatic. That comes through in interviews. She has a fantastic smile and she's extremely personable. And she, in this Wall Street Journal piece that came out today, talks about how she had to turn down local Gainesville and other Instagram ads because of her student-athlete status as a UF gymnast the past several years. And so I think, you know, Zach, you are kind of the king of the segues around here. But if anything, I think a lot of these are going to be segues for athletes into future careers. And that is, I think, going to be the case for people like Leah Clapper and a lot of other athletes around the country that are unnamed until they have this new possibility in front of them to turn themselves into a second career. Yeah, definitely encourage everybody to go check out that article. And again, encourage everybody to follow these athletes on social media, support them. If they put out some gear and you think it's cool, buy it. If you don't think it's cool, don't trash them online. Yeah. Let them do their thing. So when we come back next week, we will talk some recruiting. We'll see how Nick Evers fared in the Elite 11, and we'll see how this NIL legislation continues to play out. For Graham Hall, I'm Zach Albuquerque.